Hey, welcome to church. We are glad you made it today. Thanks for being here on the front lawn. Thanks as it's really breezy and things are flying around. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Uh, one thing that I love about our church is we have communities everywhere. That's, that's the vision of our church is not only are we a community here at Inventura meeting together and, and this is how we do discipleship and this is how we do life together, but I want to encourage you that if you're just watching the message online and, and you just you know tune in one day, I want to encourage you, call someone over, invite someone to your house, your lawn, whatever you feel comfortable doing so that you can do life together. That's where the discipleship happens. That's where the growth happens. That's where the faith foundation as you wrestle with it happens. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. They sat in a group and they wrestled with their faith. There's questions together. They just did life and they grew from it. And that's what, I, that's what our, our church is doing. And I want to encourage you wherever you're at. If you're stationed in the military, if you're in college somewhere, whatever's going on, I want to encourage you, you can be part of this vision. So announcements, Patty. So with that, some announcements, ladies. We have our next art night coming up. It is December 11th. I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> it gets me. I just look forward to it so much. It's just a fun time where we come together. There is no art background experience needed at all whatsoever. Um, it's just a time where we come together. We um, just do some exercises to kind of relax. And I don't mean like workout exercises because I'm not about that. <laughs> um but just some breathing just to kind of, you know, leave our stresses of the week behind and um, just dive into being creative and doing some art and playing with paint and getting our hands dirty. And it is going to be so fun. So December 11th, 7 p.m., make sure you email us at info at lighthouse805.com. That way we can get you the link to get you all set up and get you ready to go. Um, you all also, if you're ever nervous about doing it, you can always have your camera off. Um, I'd love to be able to see your face, but you know, whatever you feel comfy doing, as long as you're doing the art with us, we would love for you to join us. So don't forget, set an alarm so you won't forget. Um, and before we dive into the word, I wanted to, um, we, last week we started addressing Advent. And last week I completely forgot to light our candle. <laughs> so I won't forget this week. But as we dive into the second week of Advent, um, and we talked about just that expectancy of it marking Jesus's birth, right? And remembering that. And I was thinking, when babies, brand new, newborn babies are born, first thing we all do is just like ooh and awe over them, right? And just, uh, we, our tone changes. Mm -hmm. We get all cuddly and soft and we lower our voice and it's always so gentle. And you know, because babies are like that, they're sweet and beautiful and amazing and little miracles. Um, and so I was thinking, as we come to Jesus's getting closer to Jesus's birth, it's no wonder that Christmas time is that kind of a time where everyone's always talking about loving each other and being kind to one another and doing something generous for each other. You know, so I feel like it, it goes hand in hand naturally. But as we're celebrating Advent, um, I do encourage you to, to just show that extra bit of kindness. This time is meant to be that just peaceful and full of hope. And instead of, would we trade all that stress for finding the perfect gift for someone? And, and I know that's your heart intent behind that. And that's absolutely wonderful. But don't let it get to a point where it's just so stressful that we forget that we're just doing it to love one another. You know, of finding like the, you know, even though we're half like, you know, our stay at home stuff, but still like making that mm. perfect family dinner to look absolutely beautiful and perfect. That's all great. And, and wonderful, if that's your gifting, go for it. But don't let it become too stressful that you forget why you're doing it. You're doing it to bless those you're with. Um, so really, just take inventory of your life, of what you're doing every single day, and make sure you're making room for the Holy Spirit. Make sure you're making room for God's love to really shine through you, because that's what it's all about. You know, Lord, the Lord loved us, and his word says he loved us first. So would we be so quick to grab his love, receive it, and also share it with those around us? So remember, this is that, just that season of hope, of love, of kindness, of goodness. Um, it's not meant to be full of stress and family arguments. You know, those happen. But make sure that you're filling it with love um, if they do happen. So um, thanks for joining us for our second week of, ad of Advent today. We have our little candles lit up. So, would you just join me in prayer as we get ready for the word this morning? Pray for time. Oh, that's 
That's right. Uh, we have tithe and offering. So just a reminder of that too. If you're here on campus, we have the box here on the double doors. You can slide your, your tithe and offering in there. And if you're at home watching, you can go to lighthouse805.com, fill out the giving page, and we can get you all squared away there. So you just join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that we can come together, Father, wherever we're at, and just soak in all the goodness that you have for us today. So we pray, Holy Spirit, would you use Pastor Matt? Would you speak through him? And would we be so ready to receive it all and soak it all up, every single bit of it, Father? We thank you because what you have prepared for us is meant for us today. Um, God, and that your, your love, that even though we read your word that was written years and years ago, it's still relevant for us every single day. And we thank you because only a God like you could plan it all out like that. So thank you for your love, for your goodness, and would we um, be entering into your presence with, with clean hands and pure hearts, Lord, knowing that you have nothing but the best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the, one of the things we really have to talk about in changing your city, just the idea of what it means to change your city, is understanding how to produce that promise. If God has promised, you know, people in our homes to be saved, people that we loved, if we put the effort out, like, how do we produce that promise? And ultimately, it's, it's prayer. Like, how do we go about it? It, it? There's so many stories in the Bible where it focuses on men and women going through situations where it's tragic and they're holding out for God's promise to come true. And oftentimes you find that it's their prayer, their persistent prayer is what produces that promise. And so I want to look at, I want to look at this idea of Jesus during his ministry and how he prayed and, and how he chose solitude over people. And so we're going to be looking at different instances where why did, why would he leave people in order to chase solitude? Why would he leave people in order to pray when Jesus is all about people because he loved the world so much that he came here to die on a cross and he's avoiding people? Like this is, this is what I want to dive into today is understanding how powerful prayer actually is because it's the catalyst that produces promise. <clears throat> In this series, we've been going through reasons why Jesus was able to change a city. It's because he was connected to God. He was connected to community and he was connected to his calling. And so the, the first facet of that connected to God, that's where we get that prayer item. That's where we understand that uh, persistent prayer really does produce promise, is when we're con actually connected to God. Like, how is your prayer life doing? Like, are you just sitting there wishing things would happen and come true in your life, but lacking prayer? Like, that's, that's what's needed here. And I love the, the three things that Jesus had connected to God, connected to community, connected to calling. Those overlaid and continued on through the disciples. So we know that this template is true, right? The disciples were connected to God through Jesus. They were connected to community because they were in the disciples. They were together. And then even when they went out, right? And then lastly, they were connected to calling. Jesus had placed a calling on their lives. So we've been going through this whole sermon series and looking at different facets of these three items, but today it's, it's really focusing on prayer. And so I want to get this across. If you're not praying, pray. If it's something you used to do, start it up again. It's so easy. And, and I think even doing youth ministry, right, when we're with high school kids and junior high kids, people would always be like, hey, can you pray for me? Yeah, but why don't you pray first? Uh, I, I can't pray. Well, why not? I just don't know how. You're having a conversation with me. Just imagine you're talking to Jesus. Let's start this relationship today, all right? And that, that's where it starts. If you've never prayed before, just start talking. You know, get alone, find a closet, find a room that's empty, and, and just start praying to God. So first instance of where Jesus went into solitude was this. It's when we're preparing for something big. So I'm going to go through situations of why we need to pray. So if you're preparing for something big, something big to happen, that's the time to pray. 
Like if you know, hey, I'm going in for an interview, I'm going in to have a uh, confrontation with someone, I'm going in for whatever. If you're going for something big, it's time to pray. Luke chapter four, one through two, and then we're gonna jump down to verse 14, says this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And then skipping through, we've, we've preached on this scripture before, and I want to I jump to the end of it. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. See, in this moment, Jesus had something big coming up. It was his public ministry. It was everything that he was going to call his disciples. He was going to walk around and produce healing, and he was going to cast out demons, and he was going to teach the foundations of what church was to become, what a relationship with him was. He was also going to take our sins away by dying on the cross and raising again. Something big was coming. And in this moment, right here, Jesus, before doing anything else, decided to go into solitude and pray. I want to challenge you not to, not to say, I'm waiting for something big to happen before I pray, but anything can be big, right? If you're going into work tomorrow to, to talk to someone, you might invite them to church or, or whatever it might be. That's something big. Spend your time before praying. Another instance when Jesus chose solitude over people was to rest after hard work. So when, when something happens that's, you know, we do a lot or we're exerted or we're just tired, that's a time to choose solitude and get away and, and pray, right? That's the recovery moment. The recovery moment isn't staying there, but it's a temporary touch point, if you will. So in Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 32, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. I think this one's interesting because, yeah, we, we need to pray before something big, but we also need to pray after something big, right? So prayer happens going in and prayer comes after leaving, right? And I think that's, that one's neglected a lot because if we're not rested up and prayed up, prayed up, I don't know what the tense should be. If we're not prayed up afterwards, then it's like we're no good, right? We're just running on empty and, and we're weary. And so rest after hard work. And I, I want to I wanna look at this from the concept of church, right? So if, if you look at your whole work week and everything that happened, you're working hard and not only are you providing an income, but you're bringing the love of Jesus into your workplace. Not only do you have a, a family that you're infilling yourself with the Holy Spirit and pray prayer the whole week, but you're pouring out to your family too. You're pouring out to your friends. It's been a long week. Church on Sunday is a rest moment where you say, I'm coming away from everything in life to, to touch point here and to rest and recuperate of what Jesus is going to give me new today. Right? This is the moment where we can come in and, and we can pray for each other and we can hear our prayer requests, which I want to encourage you. If you're in a community right now, one of the things we do at the Ventura community is as soon as the service ends, that's not where service ends for us. Cameras turn off, live stream ends, and then we get together and we offer up prayer requests and then we pray together. We also have an opportunity to share words if someone heard the Holy Spirit speak during the message or this week they heard something. I want to encourage you too, if, if you're in a community, do that. Pray for one another. So, Another thing, 
not only should we be praying before something big, we should be praying after something big. We need to fill back up, right? It's, we're not, we're not good, doing good anyone justice if we're just empty and we're snapping and we're angry and we're frustrated and we're like stressed out. Like that's no good. We need to be able to rest in these moments. And it's those solitude moments in prayer that we recover. All right, the next one, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14. And and if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Um, If you're going digital, awesome, turn there too. Um, We're going to do life together in just a moment, but this is the scripture we're doing life out of today. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. Go ahead and open up. This is... This is one of those hard scriptures to read and put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Because it's, it's about the death of someone close. And it's never an easy thing to lose someone who's really close to you. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 says, When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. For Harold had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herod Herodias' daughter performed a dance that was greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he said, but because of the vow, he had made, he had made it in front of his guest. He issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds were where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. This is, this is one of those scriptures that, I mean, it's tough. It's hard. I mean, ha- have you ever lost someone that's really close to you. I mean, even if, if you haven't and you've lost someone who's somewhat distant, it still hurts to some degree. And it's not one of those things that is just goes away, right? It's, but it, it goes with you. In this, in this scripture, in this story, the thing that amazes me about Jesus is that he, he grieved John to find solitude and prayer, but it also showed that his life didn't stop, right? Jesus's ministry wasn't over. His life didn't halt, but it was actually progressing forward. It says that people still followed after him. And I think that's one thing that we need to understand is we have a place and time for grieving and we need to find our own way of grieving. For Jesus, it was solitude and prayer. And the, the thing that motivates me is, is when I've lost someone really close and special to me, it's understanding I need to be able to grieve in my way and everyone else's way of grieving might not fit me. But for Jesus, it was solitude and prayer with the understanding that his life continued moving forward. And the thing that encourages me is that when I grieve, I have to understand my life's not over in this moment. I'm going to grieve, but I'm going to grieve forward. And I, I just want to encourage you, if, if you're still grieving or if you're going through some grief moment, it's okay to have solitude and prayer with God. Right? This is, Jesus did this. His cousin died in a horrific way. But he was, he was able to grieve. And so uh, another instance of when we're changing our city, we're going to have people and pets and everything that we're going to grieve at some degree. 
but we need to understand we need to take those moments to go with God, to be alone, be in solitude and get in prayer and identify how we grieve. So the next, the next one of when Jesus chose solitude over people and, and brought in prayer was before making an important decision. So not just doing something big, this is a little bit different, right? Doing something big where you just go in and you have a task is different than making a decision. When you have two different paths before you and you're trying to decide, do I do this or do I do this? What's my decision? And so Jesus has this decision in Luke chapter six, verse 12 through 13. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. I'm not going to read the names because we know them. But what I want to get out of this is Jesus spent an entire night on an important decision in prayer. This is how much it shows. This is how heavy prayer is to Jesus. Right? How much how much weightier, weightier are decisions to God? He spends his time thinking over them in prayer. And I want to encourage you, if you have a decision going on, something in your heart, in your mind, if you have a decision to make, don't put it off and just wait on it for one door to shut or one door to open, but actually pray, God, let it be your will that one door would shut or one door would open. Let it be your will that you would speak to me about this decision. Because ultimately, it's, he's walking with you through the door on whatever decision you make. And so let's make sure that we're making the best informed decision that we can make because Jesus is with us, whichever decision we make. Yeah, and the encouraging part of that is even if you have your heart set on really hoping something goes one way and you, you even reach that point of like, well, this is the most amazing um option like of course the lord is behind this one and i know i've been in that position where i'm like this is it this is what the lord has for me and then that door shuts <laughs> in my face <laughs> and i'm like what is going on lord like i thought this was it what is the deal here and i remember in all those situations the lord has always reminded me if you thought that was good just wait until you see what i have for you and the lord has come through every single time of just like, okay, God, <laughs> I see what you were doing. You know, so be encouraged that even though if it is a no or a not yet from the Lord, just know that it's only because he has something greater than what you could even imagine. So just be encouraged, sit on that and be encouraged in that. Amen. You know what? On our doing life together, I, I had it in one spot and I moved it later on. So I know I told you to be one scripture, but I need you to move to Luke chapter 22, verse 39. 44. This is our doing life together scripture. So I totally made a mistake earlier. Luke 22, 39. This is, this is the moment where crisis happens and we're in the middle of it, right? Have you ever had that moment where you're in crisis or you're just stressed out? And I don't know about you, but it, definitely me. When I'm stressed out, I'll like say dumb things or I'll do dumb things because that one thing is just on my mind and I'm consumed by thinking about that. Like, have you ever been in that? Like crisis is a great time to pray because it centers us, it grounds us. It reminds me of, of the bigger picture. It reminds all of us of the bigger picture. So Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 44. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Jesus is in crisis, right? Up to this point, he's been walking with his disciples. They, it's like all the great moments, right? People are still angry at him, 
but he's, their miracles are happening. Discipleship is happening. Stories are happening. And it's come to an end, right? Crisis is there. Jesus came to this earth to, to be with us, walk with us, embody God and humanity right here, and then die on the cross and raise again. And it's at this moment, everything changes. The reason why, why we have grace that's given as a free gift to be in heaven is this moment that's coming up. But to Jesus, it's crisis. He knows what he's about to endure. He knows the beatings. He knows the crucifixion. He knows what's happening, what's going to happen right now. Crisis. Now, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I don't think any of us have been in Jesus' shoes of this severe of a crisis up to this point. But we've had different levels of stress. We've had different levels of crisis happen. And, and what I want to get at in this is when we're in stress and crisis, these are the moments to go to God first. Because the, the longer we delay our stressfulness and staying in the stress, the worse it is for us and the people around us. I was, I was reflecting on this and thinking about like, I mean, I deal with stress really good, babe. <laughs> He's the best at it. <laughs> the, the, the number one. I should, I should, I should be one to talk. I, mean. <laughs> I, I, yeah, stress is just, I don't do well in stress because I hyper-focus on one item and it's the moment in time that I need just, I need to be alone because I need to process <laughs> and think about and pray about. Like, that's all I need to do is just this one thing in crisis. Like, just me, God, in the crisis, let me deal with it. And as soon as someone else talks or another, anything else happens. And it's not even like another severe crisis. It might just be like, hey, does anyone know where this cup is? And I'm like, I don't know where the cup is. Because I just need to process on that one thing. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to jump into doing life together. And I want us to talk about and be open. Like this is our discipleship moment. This is the moments where we are stretched and grow. If you don't deal stress well at all, this is the time to talk it out and really think about what are some better ways for me to handle stress? Doing life together. How do you handle stress? What do you do good? And what do you do bad? Like, what are your, what are your good things you're doing handling stress? Because maybe the other person you're talking with, they'll be able to be like, that is good. I'm stealing that. I need that. And what do you do bad? Because if you can own up and be like, you know what? I'm really bad at this and I need to confess. I need to get over this. Confess it, but then also be accountable. Um, let's talk about what a recent stressor you're going through is. Is there something going on that's like, hey, I'm stressed. My face might have a smile, but inside it's not smiling. <laughs> like, let's talk, let's talk it out. And lastly, what does, what does the verse mean to you? You know, what is, what is the scripture where Jesus has been doing okay up to now? There's been some stressors, but now he's in crisis stress. What does the scripture mean to you? How, how did Jesus handle it and how can you handle your stress? Because ultimately, in order to change your city, you need to be connected to God through prayer. But if you're constantly stressed out and you're angry and you're bitter and you're frustrated and you're lashing out to everyone, nobody wants that kind of joy and peace. They want the joy and peace that comes from Jesus, not from your stress. It's, it's, we need to understand that. We need to take it on. So let's do life together. So if you're, if you're on campus somewhere, break up. Let's talk about it. If you're watching online by yourself, we do have someone to facilitate that. And I want to encourage you, please drop some comments because you can do life in the comments too. So with that, let's go. All right, church. So glad to have you with us. I'm going to review the scripture before we jump into the discussion. So we were in Luke Chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. I'll read through that. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup 
of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. Jesus was in crisis. He knew he had a big thing to do, and it was going to change the world. It was going to change our lives, and it was, it was heavy. He was stressed, for lack of a better phrase. And I know that we've all been in those situations where we felt stressed or under such great amount of pressure. So the question here is, how do you handle stress? And what do you do, whether it's good or bad? We want to share on that. And what's a recent stressor that you've been going through? And what are some of these scriptures mean to you? So I'll start out with myself first. Um, I mean, every time I go back to this story, I think, Thank God I've never been that stressed. And <laughs> thank God for Jesus, because if it wasn't for Jesus, I probably wouldn't be having that kind of stress. I'm such a type A personality. Well, I would like to say recovering type A personality. <laughs> so I, I handle stress in different ways. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I think if I was to focus on um, the best way that I would handle it, I, I, I've learned to kind of enact spiritual disciplines. So there's two different disciplines that are really, really important to me in this particular season. One is I like to practice Visio Divina, which is just a practice of getting outside, seeing what God has created and allowing that to compel me to worship him. And it calms me, especially bodies of water. I love being in Ventura County because I can be bodies of water and bodies of water keep me calm and they help me to de-stress. Um, I also like to practice um, the spiritual discipline of breath prayer. And it's when you just take a moment, get alone, center yourself, breathe in. And as you're breathing in, you think about the one word or the one phrase or the one name of God that you need in this particular situation when you're under stress. So say I am having a lot of stress and I just feel frantic. Then I will breathe in and I will think about peace. And then I breathe out and I breathe out the word literally peace, peace. And that becomes the breath prayer. And those are the two most pivotal spiritual disciplines that I practice right now while I'm under doing stress. Right now, they're really helpful. <laughs> uh, breathing and just seeing what God has created, especially being cooped up in social distancing. Visio Divina is so essential. You can get out, get your mask on, go for a walk, see what God has created and appreciate it and allow that to compel you to worship and to calm you down. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Matt says he handles stress by reflecting and processing and praying alone. I handle stress poorly if I'm not alone when I'm processing. Ooh, good to know. <laughs> if other issues come up, I don't handle them well because I have not completed what I'm currently going through. Ooh, I get that. Being able to take one moment at a time to process what's happening instead of doing multiple things. Sometimes you just have to focus in on one, knock down that step, then go to the next step, one foot in front of the other, right? I love that. Let's see if we have any other comments there. Let's see, I can't see any more there at the moment. But um, just to kind of wrap that up, you know, how we deal with stress is, is very different for each. But you have to allow yourself to process it in the best way possible. I always say acknowledge the feelings. Don't try to squish it down or put it under a rug because it's just going to blow up. So allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Give yourself a moment. And then move to God and say, Lord, here's what I have. I may not know the right steps or the right words to pray, but I just know that I need you. And I know that I'm feeling the stress. And I know that you're a God who can do and handle anything. So I'm giving it to you. So start there. And if you need help with spiritual disciplines, we'll have those available on our website as well. And we can walk you through some of those things. And I'd be delighted to share as well. Thanks to guys. And we'll look forward to doing life together in the comments with you next week. So welcome back. Dealing with stress poorly costs us. I was really thinking about this of... When, when we deal with stress poorly, or maybe I should just say, when I deal with stress poorly, <laughs> what, what it costs me is this. And, and through praying and asking God to reveal what he wants to speak to us today on this specific topic that prevents us from prayer and ultimately changing our city is dealing with stress will cost us time. Because if we don't deal with it right away, it just sits on our mind, right? And it, we go far too long dealing, not dealing with stress than if we just dealt with it and move forward. And then ultimately other things is it not only costs us time, but it, it costs us mental health because it just weighs on our mind. So then it, it destroys our thoughts and it pulls us away from thinking through what we should be thinking about. And our mental health is 
th gets thrown out of whack. And then also energy, meaning if we're stressed out, that can cause us to not be sleeping well, or we're sleeping far too long or far too short. We could be eating wrong. It, our energy can get out of whack and, and meaning we're too tired or we're whatever. That's where we get stressed out. So when we fail to deal with stress, it costs us far too much. Well, and don't forget your, your physical health. Yeah. You know, you go into high stress, high levels of cortisol triggers, high blood sugar triggers. You know, it's just a chain reaction of just really just it, it's awful on your body. It takes a toll, you know, and then you talked about like the, the poor eating. I'm a stress eater <laughs> and it is not pretty. Um, but even just that, what that does to your health, you know, what are you putting in your body at those times? And we, in, in the moment, we don't think about it, but we don't realize how stress, it just affects everything, everything. And so it's better to, I always have to ask the Holy Spirit, help me catch it right away. That way I can start to deal with it right away. Because if not, I, I know for the longest time I thought, I'll just procrastinate on the stress, you know, and call, I, this is something I learned in college of like, I have a test coming up. I'm stressed about it. I'll be studying but I'm still stressed. And I thought, well, if I stress at the very last minute, I don't have to stress right now. <laughs> but even just that is such poor way of thinking. Um, so just try to, you have to try to nip it in the butt. Yeah. Yeah, in order to see promises producing in our lives, we really need to handle stress. Meaning, let's go to God. Let's spend the time in prayer. Let's spend the time in talking to, if, if you're a have to talk it out loud kind of person, Find that person who's a good sounding board, meaning they're going to drive you back into the word of God, not just say, oh, you're right. You should totally just do this and this and that. Or rather, they're willing to be able to challenge you to say, you know what? This is kind of the, the boundaries of what the word of God says, and you're almost kind of going over it right now in what you're saying. And I just want to call you out in a loving way. That's a great friend to have. So. The, the last time that Jesus chose solitude over people and, and finding this, this prayer moment is Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It's just a short, sweet kind of verse. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole verse. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That's, that's, that's the verse I, I really wanted to end on today is we produce promises because we know how to pray, right? We're connected to God because we know how to pray. Jesus was connected to the Father because he knew how to pray, right? He, he had this, this full authority of everything because he was connected to the Father. And if Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, needed to pray, I'm willing to throw this out here even more so we need to pray, right? But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. This verse indicates to me that the limited references to Jesus going off and praying was not the total amount of times he prayed in the Bible. This verse indicates to me that he did this often, that it was a habit of his that it was an ongoing thing that Jesus did. This verse sums it up that it says, often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He often went away to be in solitude, away from his very creation, his humanity, in order for prayer. And I want to encourage you. I, I, I really hope that you would take this seriously and say, I need to pray more. I want to see the promises producing in my life that God has placed on my life. But in order to do that, I need to hear what the Father's speaking to me about. I need to hear the direction, the movement, the, the whatever needs to go on, the revealing of what he needs dealt with in my life. If I'm going through something, he wants to speak to it. Like, I want to be on track with this. Jesus spent time alone praying in solitude in order to produce promise. So next steps this week, what I want to encourage you to do is pray daily. I want to really challenge you to pray every single day until next Sunday. 
ultimately, I would say pray every day for the rest of your life. But this week, I want you to hyper-focus on prayer. I want you to have this, this in you to say, today I'm praying. If you're a type of person that prays once a week at church on Sunday or right before a meal, kick it up a notch and have a different kind of prayer. Say, I'm going to wake up and I'm pray. And, and uh, part of the next steps is we looked at all the different uh, scriptures or times that Jesus went to pray. And I want you to choose one of those, one of those topics. If it's praying for something big or praying for dealing with crisis or stress or, or just praying for the sake of praying, pick a topic and let be that focus for this week. So every single day, if it's, if it's the stress prayer that you want to be able to pray for stress, saying, Monday, God, speak to me how to deal with stress. Speak to me of what I, how I negatively take stress on and what I need to do about it. Reveal in me. So have every single day dealing with a topic. So you're, you're praying and interceding over your life on this specific thing. I promise you, if you were a praying person and you take this on just as Jesus would, your life and your city would be changed. This is, this is what changes your life. This is what changes the lives around you. Is when you're connected to, to God and you're bringing his love, his joy in everywhere you go. So we need to change our city and that change starts with us. And can I just leave you with, with another scripture? Just This is a, uh, I was going to say an extra credit to the, uh, <laughs> to the next steps, but just do it also. Um, I would challenge you to commit Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 to memory. This verse, and I'll say it again, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I mean, Jesus tells us about praying, and I'll read it right now, but he also tells us the, the result of what that it's a promise um, and it says be anxious for nothing be anxious for nothing don't stress about it do your very best not to stress about it be anxious for nothing and anxiety is very real I can tell you that and so it, it's hard to say just don't like don't worry about it it's not that easy sometimes you know but when you remind yourself and you turn to God's word say, hey Lord you said not to be anxious for anything so I'm gonna try my best not to be be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. It, it says to, to, to give it to the Lord. Talk to him about it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some formal on my knees. I, and if that's how you pray, then keep on doing it like that. That's fine. But it can be anywhere you are, any minute of the day. When you're in your car, you have no idea how many times I have ugly cried prayed in my car, which is kind of dangerous. I've had to pull over because then I'm crying and it's, I can't see. Anyway, um, so in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And part of that is thanking the Lord that he's going to get you out of it. So when you're praying, take that time to say thank you, Lord, because you, excuse me, you are true to your word. You're true to your promises and you're going to get me out. Hmm. You're going to find a way out for me. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, the, and here's the promise, the, the outcome of all of this. And this is, I love this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. So it's a kind of peace that we can't even wrap our heads around. Like you think you know peace? God has peace that surpasses what you know. The peace uh, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. So that means the Lord not only is going to be protecting your heart and everything it's dealing with, but your mind, which we know is where the devil goes to like play and mess around with our thoughts. It's the first place the enemy tries to just capture and, and tear us down. So by praying, we know that God's peace is going to protect our thoughts too. Mm. And so it says, we'll uh, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So church, please spend that time in prayer, in everything. You know, it, give it to the Lord. I, I always joke that I'm constantly talking to myself. But it's not that I'm talking to myself. It's I'm talking to the Lord about everything throughout my day. You know, things that I'm just, just all day long. You know, and just begin to see God's peace completely overwhelm your thoughts and your heart. You know, we, we need to guard that. Yeah. So just an encouragement. Try to memorize that verse. It's a, it's a good one. <laughs> I mean, do you want to pray for us as we go into worship? Sure. Lord, we thank you because this is just one out of the dozens and dozens and dozens of promises that you have for our lives. And so we thank you that as this week, as we hold on to this promise, Father, that you will, you will fill our, our thoughts and our hearts with peace 
that you will guard our hearts and our thoughts. Lord, we thank you that as we spend our week praying intentionally, seeking out those areas in our lives that we need to bring before you. God, no matter how petty we might think they are, you want to know about it. And we thank you because you are that kind of an intentional God to care about the slightest thing that happens in our day. Lord, we thank you because you are a God who cares about the big issues too. God, our, our health, the healing that we're expected, expecting, God, the provision that, that we so need. Lord, we thank you because you are a God who fulfills all those, who, who fills them and then gives us more beyond measure. So we thank you for loving us to that extent. We thank you that, that Jesus was the role model that we have to look up to that he came fully as man to know what we're dealing with. And so God, we know that when your son went through all of this, he understands what we're going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, in times where we just need to be alone, to times of just breakdown crisis, he knows it all. And so we thank you because we have Jesus to hold on to. So God, as we enter into just a time of worship and praise, would our hearts just be so full of gratitude towards all that you have done for us and all that you will be doing. God, because it doesn't just it, it doesn't just end with what happened in the past, Father, but you have a future for us and it, your word says that it's full of hope. And so we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's you worship. Just join us in worship. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your 
thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Lord, we just ask you this morning, God. Continue to do just that. We acknowledge that you are the God who is the God of promises. God who is able, exceedingly abundantly beyond our expectations, always come through. So, Lord. We will seek you. We will find times of quiet and solitude, and we will seek you. And we will listen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this morning. I just want to encourage you again to uh, this week spend time every day in prayer and to be purposeful and specific in it this week to really dive after one of those points, whether you're contending for something big, you need big answers, or you need um, God to show up in a crisis. I, I just pray that you would um, encourage one another as well. Reach out, how, hold accountability with each other, share what you're hearing from God, um, because I, I promise you that you're not the only one that's probably experiencing whatever it is you're experiencing. And... Um, God uses us to uh, to encourage one another and to build one another up. So, again, next week our our next steps are to really dive in to prayer. Um, go deep with God this week. Peace out. <laughs>